0: Hi, welcome to the Get To Yes podcast. This special series focuses on a topic that's affecting every business in our industry right now, COVID profitability. This new series is designed to help hair, beauty, and aesthetic business owners survive by building a profit-based COVID recovery plan. Neil Osborne from The Sales Catalyst is our host. He teaches, coaches, consults, and speaks on business subjects that help hair, beauty, and aesthetic businesses how to become commercially clever. Throughout this special series, Neil talks with a variety of industry experts who share business tips to help you navigate your way out of COVID and beyond. His goal is to help build the financial strength of our industry. He'll be discussing in simple industry language, important elements in a profit-based COVID recovery plan. We'll cover ways to manage the big costs in your business and make a profit where your cash flow and profit is and how to keep some of it in your pocket what your figures mean and how to influence them how to benchmark your business figures against industry averages and how to communicate and negotiate with your landlord hope you enjoy it
1: hi there everybody welcome back to our podcast series where we are exploring the many, many ways that we can help you be financially stronger as we come out of COVID and move into 2021. We've got a really great program for you today. We're going to be talking about commercial leases. That's right. That thing, that, that big bit of paper you sign when you open your shop and move into a shopping center. We've got with me today, Richard. Welcome, Richard. Great to have you on board this morning. Great to see you morning. Thank you for the time. Not a problem at all, mate. Lovely to have you on board. Now, let me uh, just introduce Richard to you, if I may. By way of background, Richard Barham is the founder and owner of Barham Property Group. He's worked in commercial property for well over 20 years across Australia and also New Zealand. Richard has negotiated hundreds and hundreds of leases during this time across, well, many, many different business sectors. He has an intimate knowledge of the key drivers in lease transactions, which helps both parties to quickly get to a position of understanding and agreement. Wow, that's a big stress reduction just there. Richard is known for his broad professional skill set, strategic decision making and common sense approach to negotiations. Wow, Richard, that's really great. Love to have you on board. And I think it's going to be a great asset to our listeners for you to share some of your experiences. Richard, just by way of maybe uh, setting a scene or a bit of background, um, You know, we're in the hair beauty body in the aesthetic space and the majority of our listeners will be coming to our podcast from that perspective. The majority of these businesses are, you know, probably anywhere from, you know, 50, 60 square metres up to 150 to 200, depending on the size of the business. A lot of them are in shopping centre locations and especially over the last five years in particular, we've seen lots of laser clinics move into quite prime positions in shopping centres. But generally speaking, if they're not in a shopping centre, they'll be in a strip shop type structure. And now with Melbourne reopening, like woohoo, they're going to be absolutely flat out. But what we know is that coming out of COVID is going to be tricky. And in particular, moving into 2021. And my goal is to help people get to understand commercial leases. And is there areas for negotiation in these? How do these structures come about, Richard? Where where does that, maybe let's start off with a few basics about some leases, if that's okay, please. Absolutely. The important thing to consider when looking at a your existing
2: space or a new space is to understanding as much detail as you can about what it is that you require, mm-hmm. how much space you require, car parking, and any other details that might be intrinsic for your particular tenancy and your particular business. And that might even include location within a centre, which is also you know for consideration for foot traffic, people going through the centre, are they going to be coming past your door on the way to another
1: tenant? That's very important, isn't it? Because what we're noticing, especially in the aesthetic space, is that years ago, those businesses were positioned, tucked away in the service areas, in the back corridors, where, where now, due to the popularity of this particular market segment, they're really op- occupying prime position. So is, is position important in a shopping centre?
2: It really is. And, and, and shopping centre owners are, are getting much better at positioning like-minded tenants together and that way it's not a higgledy-piggledy kind of a mix anymore and I know that's sort of a bit broad but once upon a time there was not necessarily a structure but nowadays it's very deliberate where tenants are located in the footprint of the centre because people's habits of where they're going to be walking to the customer's habits of where they're going to be visiting or going to in the centre is now known and you can sort of plot where the foot traffic will be So it's very deliberate and landlords have got very good at that and plotting on where where people can be located within the centre.
1: Yeah, there was a traditional conversation that used to go around that I don't want to be near my competitors, I want to be away from my competitors, where that appears to now have rotated right around where different sectors of the shopping centres are devoted to certain categories is that what that's what we're seeing yeah
2: yeah that's correct yeah I remember one of my first lecturers used to say that it's almost better to be sitting next to your competitor than than on the other side of the suburb from them because you're then creating a precinct for people to be drawn to they're going to be choosing from you or the other if if they happen to be a customer of your competitor but they see you sitting there next door across the road whatever it might be well, maybe they'll choose you as well and consider you.
1: That's a very interesting point. How do these areas of rent come together in common areas? And how does all that fit together in these uh, shopping centre structures?
2: Every centre's got different size uh, tenancies throughout the complex because obviously every tenant's got different sizes, similar to what you were saying at the beginning there. In this particular, in your sector, they range sort of from 50 square metres up There is smaller shop, and and you're getting the most efficiencies as it can out of that small area, because every extra square meter that you take on as a lease is another cost commitment that that basically is directly affects your bottom line. Mm. So if you can get a really efficient layout and design into a 50 meter square space as opposed to a 60 square meter space, well that's 10 square meters that you're not paying for over that year. It's a really important thing to consider, and it's part of when you're looking for a new suite to really zero in on what it is that you're going to be doing in there and have as all your spaces utilized with the best efficiency as you can to maximize maximize your return on that that area that you've got
1: yeah it's almost coming back to the old traditional i'm paying my rent per square meter what return am i getting for that square meter that's right versus oh wow this is a lovely space it'll give me heaps of room to work yeah. i think
2: those yeah. days are gone and it's one of those things where sometimes people get trapped into the idea that I oh, might just take a little bit of extra space to grow into it. Well, realistically, if you're not actually going to grow into it in the next couple of years, that's a cost that you're carrying for the term of that lease. Mm. And is
1: that is, is that actually going to be the right thing for you? Yeah, very good point. Very good point indeed. So try to do a budget and start to think about some of these things. Because when we go into these shopping centers, it's not just a week by week agreement, it's a three, five-year or whatever it might be term. So we really need to start, I suppose, to think about how that rent works during that time because do things change during the term of the lease as
2: far as costs? Yes, they do. In essence, the cost to run the centre increase during the term. That usually happens on a year-by-year basis and the landlord, through the charging of outgoings, will charge you accordingly for that. It's actually good at this point to consider the landlord's perspective with regards to outgoings, you get that charge through your rent. Outgoings are a component that really is the cost to run the centre by the landlord. And that cost is then shared across all of the tenants located in that complex on a dollar
1: per square metre rate. It's very interesting. I, I quite often hear conversations from tenants almost questioning the outgoings. Are they manufactured or, or, or are they audited? Are they real? I mean, is is there sort of, what's the approach from a landlord's perspective in this area? They're real costs. They're basically, if you can consider a large complex
2: that is going to be run, you're going to have costs, including things like rates, uh, the insurance for the centre, common area cleaning, pest control, fire protection for the centre. So for tenants to share that cost with the landlord, that's how that works. Those costs are normally audited on an annual basis and on charge through to the tenants on a, on a pro rata basis. So you only pay your, the percentage that your suite is or your tenancy is within that centre.
1: Okay, so it's all connected. So the costs are totaled and then that's divided down by the number of square metres that you've got. So it's quite bona fide in the way it works, yeah?
2: That's right. You're, as a 50 metres tenant, you're not paying the same sort of rate charge as Woolworths or Coles are at the other end of the corridor. It, they've got a sort of a couple of thousand metre box that they, they're in. They will pay accordingly on the outgoings for that that box and obviously you're paying it 50 square meters by whatever the outgoings are.
1: Yeah so it's relative to the space that you are renting yeah. What happens when we hear of these situations where tenants get caught up into this turnover rent where they paying a rent relevant to their turnover that seems quite unfair can you help our listeners get their head around how that works? Rents for tenants within a centre
2: could be made up of a number of different things Typically, the basic is a net rent, which is a, your base net rent that you negotiate with the landlord, excluding outgoings. In addition to that is the outgoings. The further additional parts that uh, some landlords will employ or engage might include this turnover rent that you mentioned, or a, which basically, if you're having a very good year, well, then you, you pay a percentage of your top end to them as additional rental rates. That's pretty traditional in a retail setting. In a commercial sense, it's a little bit less so i finding in a lot of retail centres, that's a typical thing. It's about negotiating then a turnover threshold that's actually going to work for you as your as a tenant. And it's really, it's one of those things is where you should be very mindful of what that might be and understand what that threshold implies on you and run your calculations in advance of signing a lease so that you know when that threshold will actually kick in and what that percentage of turnover is that you start paying for.
1: Looking at it from the outside, Richard, some people, like I can understand some people feeling that that could be quite unfair, that it's almost like because they're successful, they're getting penalised. How does this, is there a bigger view here that we need to consider? I mean, what's what's behind this? It could be cut both ways. It's
2: one of those ones where some tenants are going to do very well on some years and, and not so well in other years. And by having a sort of a, a lower rental across on a year-by-year basis for your lease, which is essentially what, as a tenant you want, on those good years, you're happy to then pay a little bit more of your rent as a percentage of turnover to the landlord, as opposed to negotiating a term where you might at the start be paying a little bit more for the whole term. And on years where you're struggling, you're still paying that extra rent. I had a tenant in the portfolio I was looking after years ago, and they had a base rent that was was sizable. It was a big restaurant, and they were paying sort of, over $150,000 a year as a base rent. And on some years, that was all they paid. But on other years, when they had a really good year, particularly around those holiday periods, they made a lot of money. There was a lot more foot traffic to the centre as well. So the costs to run the place were a lot more as well. And on those years, they did pay a percentage of turnover. And they were happy to pay it because they were earning almost two times their annual turnover. So it it sort of works in both ways for the landlord and for the tenant. It's about finding a happy medium between both parties.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel a lot of my listeners would feel that sometimes the landlord's the big nasty person and and these things are not really negotiable. It seems to be that a lot of people feel that landlords can be quite dictatorial and that they've got to go in on a very one-sided agreement. But, you know, if they're paying these uh, premiums, when does it come back to the tenant or is it all just going the landlord's way? No, typically like those percentage of
2: turnovers, if you start on the first year, in the first couple of years, you might be building up your business in that location. In theory, you might not be then triggering any of those percentage of turnovers and that turnover threshold. So those years, you're just paying your base rent plus outgoings. But then come year three, four, five of a five to 10 year term and your turnover is might have doubled or tripled over that period of time, which is what you every tenant's looking to try and do is grow. Well then at that time you're paying a little bit more. And the idea there is the landlord sacrificing a little bit in the beginning to sort of back you as a tenant but with the idea that if you then grow as a tenant and a a more successful tenant with a greater turnover that works well for them, that works well for their other tenants in the center and it's, it's sort of very harmonious with everyone working well together. Bigger numbers, more turnover, And then there's a little bit more rent that's payable at that point in time.
1: And in those situations when tough times fall, like they have for some recently, do you find uh, generally landlords have been open to maybe give back a little bit to the tenants? I mean, how does that, does it work that way?
2: Not necessarily giving back. I I, I like your theory there. And don't get me wrong, Neil, I'm a big believer in that. I'm, I'm a big advocate for the the underdog, where the landlord might necessarily, inverted commas, give back a bit is they are not charging those additional rents. They are not charging those additional turnover rates. If you're if you're as a tenant struggling a little bit, particularly in times like we've seen this in 2020 with the COVID, most landlords, if you're a stand-up tenant and you've been communicating openly with your landlord about your position, of all the ones that I've been dealing with this year, almost all of them have been really good and really approachable it's in their best interest to have a harmonious relationship with their tenant as opposed to a fractious one. And by working together, we've actually achieved some really great results for some of the tenants, some of my clients. And some of those we've renegotiated new lease terms. And some of that has actually given them the ability to sort of reset a rental rate and get a new lease term on, that works for them. And the landlords to their credit have been open to that suggestion and have considered those negotiations because it's in their interest to keep you as a tenant, particularly if you've been a good tenant for a number of years. They don't want to lose you because they've got to go and find somebody else to replace you and that costs them time and money and effort. And you leaving, it costs you time, money and effort. Yeah, as I said, most landlords have actually taken that on board and been really, really good to deal with. I'm a big believer in in just asking the question and then just having a communication, having open the communication lines with your landlord. It's a really yeah. important thing to do.
1: The other thing that I hear is that sometimes uh, people feel a little bit vulnerable when the landlord asks to see their figures and, and all of these types of things. I mean, you mentioned a moment ago that it's really important that you have good communication and that you're a good stand-up tenant. The landlord almost becomes a bit of a part of your business, doesn't it? It's, they're not the enemy. They're, they're actually on your side.
2: That's right. When you start taking an approach like that, that they're working with you, and most of them are exactly doing that because if you're successful, they're successful. It's in their interest to help you grow your business because the more you grow, the better it is for them and the better upside they get with the, with the percentage of turnover down the road. Sharing of the books is a pretty typical thing in that retail space. It's not just from big brother looking over your shoulder, so to speak. It's really understanding how you are trading times of the year that you're really strong and other times that you might be down a little bit. And if you are struggling, they can see the pattern that's been created there. And it might be as a result of other happenings around the center or foot traffic movement changing because of a tenant has moved or it might be other factors outside of your control, but they can actually see what's going on from a an overall perspective.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes uh, some tenants I've heard sometimes can be very protective of sharing. Where I think what I'm hearing from you and what I hear of some of my very successful clients is they really look upon this landlord as a positive relationship they need to foster, and they need to work at it. It's almost a, right. a marriage, it, isn't it? It's uh, it's, it's it you know, really you is. Work.
2: It, it really is. You've got to put in the work, and and it is far better when you're working together in a harmonious relationship with your. Property manager or landlord directly, as opposed to a fractious one, it, it, it just makes life a whole lot easier.
1: Yeah, no, thank you. I couldn't agree more. Now, one of the other things that I think a lot of people also find quite curious, and we'd love to hear a little bit from your perspective and also maybe from a landlord's perspective, how do they do these rent free periods or assist you with fit outs? I mean, some people that can get very skeptical at that times when landlords make these incentives or create these offers. I mean, Help us understand why, why does that work and it doesn't work for the landlord? Essentially, in the Australian
2: market, there's been a real push towards landlords contributing an incentive to assisting tenants moving into a location. It usually works in a manner that the landlords are trying to attract good tenants to their centres or commercial, whatever it might be. It can be structured in a number of different ways. Incentives might include a rental abatement period or a rent-free period at the beginning of the lease term, or it might even be a period across you know, a couple of months each year for the first few years of a term. It can be structured in a variety of different ways, that abatement. It might be as a contribution towards your fit-out costs. And these are usually documented in a side deed that sit outside of your lease, but it's in parallel with your lease. So when your lease is registered, the side deed is not necessarily registered. And that's purely to your competitors are not looking at the negotiated
1: term that you've got. I think the big message here is that the landlords really know their numbers. And they, oh, they do, do their numbers over three and five year periods. And they look at a tenant with a stamp on the forehead that says five years, where we look at our landlord with a stamp on their forehead, which is weekly rent or monthly rent. Yeah. So I think the perspective and the views are very, very different. Is that, a, is that a fair assessment? It is. Landlords are typically taking
2: a long-term approach with tenants and understanding what their, what their structure might be for a term their property managers are either on site or located close by. And they are usually running those numbers regularly. They're understanding your monthly numbers every month throughout the year. And they are acutely aware of the tenants throughout the building and what their incomes are and, and how they are performing. And to the fact that they understand that fit-out costs have grown over the years because fit-outs have become more sophisticated, more all-encompassing of the whole 3D space of a, of a tenancy. Whereas you know, once upon a time you throw down a shiny new carpet at the beginning of a five-year term, paint the walls, change the light bulbs, and you're done. It's very different nowadays. You've got fancy ceilings, fancy air conditioning systems behind the scenes, fancy floors, fancy walls, incredibly intrinsic fit-out designs internally. And those things all cost a lot of money. Landlords are aware of that. And part of them offering an incentive is about investing in you, investing in their center. And it's sort of a going back to that discussion we're having before around. Working hand in hand with your landlord, it's a really important thing to do. And if they can attract you to their centre, that's a really great win for themselves, for the landlord. And also, if you if you've got the option to go to one of these centres, and they'll actually contribute a little bit towards your fit out, that's actually a bonus for yourself. That uh, you might yeah. not be writing out, the, you know, if your fit out's a hundred grand and they're offering you a portion of that, that's that's a bonus. That they usually not cover the whole cost, but um, some cost is is great. It just helps you.
1: Yeah, well, I can imagine, you know, fit outs can be very expensive these days, especially with the image in the beauty and the aesthetic space. Uh, A lot of businesses are very based on how they look in these shopping centers. Richard, this is really fascinating conversation. And and it's starting to, I suppose, open up the thought that, well, maybe there is some negotiations I can have with my landlord. And, you know, that's, I, I suppose, an area that you and I have discussed. And for our listeners, Richard has been very generous in putting forward a couple of support programs that... If you want to reach out to him, you can. And he's got three options here for you. The first is if you would like Richard to look over your lease and more importantly, look at renewal suggestions and make maybe a couple of possible areas where you might be able to look for some negotiation. He's prepared to do that for you. It's just a base fee of $495. The second option is if you want to get a little bit more involved in the negotiation of your lease. Uh, Richard will help you with a review. He'll also make some very strong suggestions about areas that may be able to be improved. But more importantly, he'll coach you on how to approach the landlord. And that's the one thing that we have discovered in our conversations along the way, is landlords expect you to approach them like you're a professional business person. They want to see numbers. They want to see cash flow. They want to see performance. And, you know, sometimes you need an expert to help you prepare that. And Richard's uh, open to looking at doing that. Nine ninety five dollars uh, for that option. And then finally, you know, if you are in multiple centres or you are, you know, a franchise or a group and you've got a, a chain of businesses that need to be looked at and you are looking at trying to negotiate some renewals, Richard's very happy to talk to you about that. Uh, and of course, you can reach out to him. Now, if you want to reach out to Richard, The easiest way is to, well, jump on his website, which is www.baromproperty.com.au or simply just put an email to me or a message to me that simply says Lisa's or Richard's contact. And I'll very happily share this with you because our goal throughout this series is to help you become more profitable during 2021 and beyond. Richard, thank you. Thank you very much for your conversation this morning. Your wealth of knowledge, I think, has been incredibly valuable to our listeners. And I look forward to speaking to you again next time. Thanks, mate. Thank you, Neil. Really appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the special COVID profitability series of the Get to Yes podcast. If you like what you've heard, please share it with other people who also want a more profitable business. Until our next episode, you can visit Neil at thesalescatalyst.com.au.